Okay, so, um, so today we're talking about really two different things because SEO is one of those topics that it can be really intimidating, can be really confusing. And I think a lot of times we lose our way when we're focused on SEO and focused on, on getting people to our website. When I say SEO, search engine optimization is what SEO stands for. So we're going to look at SEO in two different ways. We're going to look at it for, uh, for the sake of, oh boy, that does not work. Let's throw that one away. We're going to look at it for Google. And we're going to look at it for the consumer. Does anybody know why we would separate those two? Yeah, yeah I, I think you hit it on the head there. There is the way that the Google algorithm looks at websites that is, is non-human, okay? So they have a really complex formula that they utilize that determines how a website is going to rank, okay? And so w there are a lot of, matter of fact, I would say there is, there's probably a majority of websites that are focused on SEO, that they're just looking at Google, okay? And as a consumer, you'll go to that website and it, it kind of won't make a lot of sense to you. It'll feel a little robotic because of the way that it's been designed and the way that it's been architected and set up. And so, um, but, the, but the hard thing is we have to do this to some degree, right? We, we, we all want to rank on Google. And so we, want, we do want to follow this, but I do think it's very important to also be building a website and try to have the website be very consumer friendly. Because at the end of the day, I don't care if I'm ranking very good on Google if I'm making a lot of sales on my website, right? Like it doesn't matter to me, because the only thing that really matters to me as a business owner is sales. And so however I get sales, it, it doesn't really matter to me. Now, most companies <coughs> are reliant some degree on, on, on Google to be able to make those sales. But if I figured out a way um, to do it without Google, then, then I'm just going to build it that way. As an example, my, my website, Iron Forge Media, is built or was built for many years speaking with the Google algorithm because I was trying to rank for, for marketing companies, Cedar City, marketing companies, whatever, and that's what I was trying to rank for. Um, then I figured out a different system that I didn't need to rank for this in order to be able to get new leads. And so now if you go to my website, it's, it's only uh, lead driven. It's only consumer driven. The, I only have one purpose on my website and that's to get a lead because I figured out a different traffic source. Remember those of you that were here last week, or I'm sorry, last month when we talked about um, Facebook ads and whatnot, I talked about traffic that you own and traffic that you borrow. Remember, traffic that you own is traffic that you can market to in any way that you need to. You're not reliant on Google. And so that's why I've done this on the consumer side. Now, if you are a business and you are just trying to find, if I, if I want to find uh, new home construction, Cedar City, then, then Spencer's going to want to make sure that his website is ranked pretty high for that, especially if it's somebody that has no ties to the area, right? Let's walk through a, a scenario in his world. So he's got somebody that, um, say, they live in Salt Lake. Uh, they don't have any family connections, but, but their work has transferred them down to Cedar City, and they want to build a house. Um, he doesn't know that Spencer builds 
many, many houses every year. They build good quality houses, right? He has no idea of that. He has no loyalty to anybody. He is just going to try to find, um, he's going to have to find a home builder and he's going to use a couple, a couple of methods. How, how, what do you think those methods would be? What do you think as a consumer would, would make me call somebody like Spencer? What's that? Yeah, so they get a human referral, right? So maybe they went down and they bumped to somebody in, at Lens and they said, hey, who would you recommend to buy a house or to build a house? And they would say Spencer, right? So that would be one way. What would be another way? Signage. Signage, absolutely. Drives down, yeah, exactly. Drives down uh, uh, the road, see Spencer sign. Oh, that's a home builder. I'm going to go in and talk to him. So that's another great way. Both completely offline, right? And, and really effective ways, right? Okay, that's another, and it's a huge one, right? And we're going to talk about that, especially in the consumer side, how important reviews are. Because if I go to a new town and, and I need to go find somewhere to eat, what do I do? I look at the reviews, right? Because I have one shot to eat dinner there, and I want to make sure that it's a good place to eat. And so I'm going to go buy as many reviews as I possibly can get, right? That reviews has a huge thing to do when it comes to SEOs. What else? Google and Facebook, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. One more. What's that? I said a fabulous realtor. Those, so, those realtors are always so self-promoting. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, for sure. That actually happens. That happens a lot, right? So, so if I'm the type of person that that I want to go to the expert that doesn't necessarily have any connections to Spencer, then I'm going to go find the realtor, right? But I'm probably going to use all those same methods yeah, in deciding what realtor I'm going to use, right? They may be selling you a lot and say, oh, Spencer's great. Yeah, yeah, exactly, because now she's my expert, right? And so I'm, I'm going to rely on my expert to give me, give me the referral, okay? The, only, the last one that I was thinking of, and there's many more, but the last one that I wanted to mention now would be a, an ad, right? Maybe that's a Google ad or a Facebook ad like we've talked about in the last couple of weeks. That would be the, the other way that I would see an offer. Maybe Spencer's got a, some kind of an offer that he's doing for a new home, and so I'm going, to, I'm going to take advantage of that offer, and that's how I'm going to get. So those are all different funnels, right, that I would use to, to get in contact with his business. Now, we could go through that same process in every single one of your businesses and determine how it is that a consumer is going to find you, especially somebody from out of town, right? Now, the opposite is true, and, and I've said this for many, many years, is that in most cases, people don't make their final decision based on a website. So I may be deciding who I'm going to have build my house, and I may visit Spencer's website, but chances are if I'm at the comfort of my house in Logan, Utah, I'm probably going to visit more than just Spencer, right? I'm probably going to find at least four or five different websites in that same, uh, same niche, and I'm going to probably eliminate that down to two or three from the five, right? And so what I, I've often said and I really believe is true is that you probably won't make your sell in most cases, especially in industries like Spencer's, based on the website, but you can be eliminated from contention based on website. Plumbing, same deal, right? Like I might go to several different plumbing websites and then eliminate you because I didn't like the way your website looked or it didn't appeal to me, right? 
Fortunately for industries, well, many of your industries, your competitors' websites are terrible, right? So it's not really hard to win that battle. Like you just could do moderate and you probably would be at the top of the heap. And that's, that's a great benefit. But there are industries like realtors that there's a lot of great realtor websites out there. And so somebody like a realtor or an insurance person and oftentimes a home builder has to be on their game with their website. They have to make sure that they really nail it. Um, otherwise, they could be eliminated. Okay. So with that foundation, let's jump through a couple of things here. Now, I do want to note that I'm not going to get super technical here because when we talk about SEO, we can talk really technical and we talk, can talk about the things that are on the back end of your website. Some of those things should be done with your web designer. If you have a good web designer, when they build your website, they're going to build a lot of these things into your website as you go. Now, if you would like to be ambitious and take the next step and learn how to do some of those things, it's not very difficult to learn how to do it, um, but it's something that, that uh, can be a little overwhelming. And so I'm going to share with you several different tools that I found to be really effective um, in helping me through that process without spending hours and hours and hours learning code or, or all the stuff on the back end of my website. Um, okay, does that make sense? All right, so if you do have a, a more technical question, let's save that to the end or send me an email afterwards, mike at ironforgemedia.com, and we can talk about that uh, that goes beyond what I'm going to share today. Okay, so first of all, let's talk about a couple of fundamental tools that you need, and we're going to kind of have a tool category here. These are online tools that are just absolutely must-haves for uh, your website. Uh, if you don't have them currently, and I would assume that a lot of you do, um, it's something you need to either contact your web designer to get them to add these tools or, again, not very difficult. You can figure it out yourself. But these are essential marketing tools for you to measure how effective your website is. I cannot tell you how many times I've had a new client come through the door and uh, they want to talk website and how can they you know, get the most out of it. And we talk about all these sales funnels and things and how they can modify their products and whatnot. But the real the reality is we go and look at the back-end analytics, and they don't even have anybody going to their website. And so they're trying to solve the wrong problem. They're trying to solve a problem of, of what's on their website, which they need to do. But their first problem is they just need to get traffic to the website. right? So the first tool we're going to share here is Google Analytics. Man, can, can somebody track down a, yeah. it's a different marker for me? Who here is familiar with or has used Google Analytics before? Okay, a couple of you. What? Okay, so Google Analytics, the day that Google Analytics um, was added was a very, very exciting day for me as a marketer because I spent millions and millions and millions of dollars, fortunately other people's dollars, not my own dollars, but on marketing campaigns that I really had a hope that they would work, right? I used all of my marketing intelligence and thought and whatever to try to create campaigns that I felt like were going to work. But the reality is the only metric I really had was whether they came in and bought something, right? I didn't have any metrics up to that point. I didn't know, did I have people um, going to a website and maybe they found something that wasn't appealing and so they... 
so they left? Or, or did I maybe, thank you, or, or did I maybe not say the right thing? Did I not have the right offer? Um, I didn't know how long they were spending on my website. And so I didn't know how many opportunities I had to actually sell them. All of those things were complete guesswork. The, again, the only metric I had was if the phone would ring or the sell was made. And so the day Google Analytics was added was a, was a good day for me. Now, if you are a business owner, you, in my opinion, have a fiduciary responsibility to your employees and to the business future to know all of this data about your business. So if I'm, if I'm a realtor and I know that I have somebody that, that walks through my door, um, but I'm not going to wait, I'm not going to talk to them until they make it to my office, that's not a very smart realtor, right? You want to grab that person the second they walk through that door. And so Google Analytics gives us the ability to, number one, see how many people are going to the website, where they're from, um, either in Utah or in the United States or, or in the world. They let me know uh, how long they're spending on the website. It lets me know what their entry page is to my site because it's not always the home page, right? They may have entered an, a, on a product specific page, right? Or something else that I've done some work with. It also tells me where they're exiting, what page they're exiting on. So are they getting two pages deep on my website, but they always seem to leave me at, at this page? And if that's the case, then me as a smart marketer, I can say, okay, this is the page that I need to do something to engage them. Maybe I need to do an online chat with them at that stage, or maybe that's the stage that I need to have a really strong offer um, so that, that I make the sell, because that's when they're walking out my front door. Okay? It tells me how many, excuse me, how many pages deep they're going into my website, uh, which is a really important thing. And it's also telling me a ton of other analytics that I find really interesting in that what browser are they using? What operating system are they using? If I, have a, if I have somebody that's using Internet Explorer and a Windows machine, what does that tell me about my, my visitors to my website? They're not tech savvy. They're not tech savvy, right? They're, they're probably not young, right? Um, and if anybody uses Internet Explorer and Windows, this is no slam to you. But as a marketer, uh, I want to know all that data, right? So if I have somebody that's using Internet Explorer and Windows and uh, maybe an older operating system, I know that I can't have a lot of funky widgets and things on my website because it's just going to turn them off, right? I have to speak very plainly um, in my offer in order to have that be successful. Now, if I find that, that I have all of my people using um, iOS and most of them on a, on a mobile device, what does that tell me? They're younger, right? And they're not spending a lot of time. I don't know about you, but I spend less and less time in front of my computer just in my casual browsing time. I still do my work on my computer, but, but I'm, I'm not just sitting down, surfing the web on Facebook, all those. I'm usually not doing that in front of a computer. I'm doing it on my phone, right? And so I can know that through Google Analytics. I can know exactly what they're doing. And so if I find that the majority of my traffic, and I think that you would be surprised how much that probably is the case for your websites, and I haven't created a website that is responsive or mobile friendly, then what am I doing and telling to my customers? 
I'm out of, I'm out of whack, right? Like, like I'm not connecting with you. Um, if I've got a website that they got to scroll all over the place and it looks all funky because it's showing up on a mobile phone, then I haven't done my job as a business owner to make sure that I've optimized the experience for my customer. Okay. Okay. So Google Analytics is one. It's just a little teeny bit of code and it's 100% free, completely free by Google. A little bit of code that you drop on your website. I quickly mentioned one of my yeah. favorite features is the real time tracking. Oh man, that was a, for sure. Where you can get on and watch in real time. Yeah. People using your site. Where yeah. Aside from the birth of most of my kids, the day they released real-time analytics was an exciting day for me because that was the day that I, could, I, could log, I can log in right now to analytics on any of your sites and I can see if there's somebody real-time on my website, the referral link that they came from, did they come from Facebook? Did they come from uh, another page that had written about me? Where did they come from? I can see uh, where they're at and I can see exactly what page they're on right now. Does that get anybody else super excited? For me, that was like, holy cow. That's stuff that I can see right now of what's happening. And I can see, okay, how long are they spending there? Um, why is it that that person is there? Does, it, does anybody send out email campaigns for their business? For me, and I, I know it's kind of a habitual thing, but the second I send out an email campaign, I jump on real-time analytics. Because I want to see, am I sending this? at the right time, how many people are, are going to my website, responding, clicking on the link. Now I can see, they send me all those stats, right, through Constant Contact or whatever. I get those stats, but I'm just kind of a real-time guy. I just want to see what's happening. And if it's real specific, and there's a lot of times that I know exactly who it is, it's one of my current clients or whatever, and I can see that they're on my website, there's been times that I just pick up the phone and call them. Because I know they're thinking about me right then and there, and I can take advantage of that. Um, uh, because it was that specific. So uh, Google Analytics is awesome. The other thing, and I'm glad you brought it up, Scott, is I can also see what time of day they're on my website. And so I have a client that gets a ton of traffic, and it's doctor traffic, okay? And so doctors are really hard to uh, know exactly what time they're, they're visiting a website because they don't have a lot of free time throughout the day. And so they're a difficult group to sell to. And so we did a big analytics study over a, a year's period of time, and we found out that Tuesday at 11 o'clock Mountain Time was when we get the most traffic to that website. And so guess what we did Tuesday at 11 o'clock? That's when we started sending out our campaigns, right? Because we utilized Google, Google Analytics to tell us that that was our best shot at getting the most eyeballs possible on our campaign, okay? Um, and so we started doing a webinar, actually, at that time, because we knew that that was our best time during the day, during the week, that we can get the most people on it. Okay, so let's leave that for a second. Man, our time is going to go so fast. So the second thing is Google Webmaster Tools. I would say about 50% of the businesses that I work with already have Google Analytics installed. I would say probably less than 5% have uh, Google Webmaster Tools set on there. Has anybody ever used Google Webmaster Tools for their business? For those of you that have used analytics and you go to the keyword section to see what people are typing in and you notice that the top one is always said not set and that's the biggest number. Has anybody noticed that before? And it's really frustrating because that's usually about 80% of your traffic. Google doesn't even tell you what keyword they typed in to be able to do that. 
Google Webmaster Tools solves that. Okay, Google Webmaster Tools gives you the ability to see um, very, very specifically what phrases or words they're typing in to find your website. Okay, again, 100% free. All you have to do is verify that you are the owner of the website and you can install Google Webmaster Tools on your site. Um, and it, and it, it's a super, super easy, straightforward. There's only a couple things that you can look at at Webmaster Tools. But again, if you are a business owner, you have a fiduciary responsibility, in my opinion, to know all this information. Okay? If I'm at the health food store, I want to know what product is hot right now, right? Like I want to know what product I need to feature in my next month's uh, marketing campaign because I know that there's a lot of people uh, going after that, a lot of people searching that. Now another tool that you can use is called Google Trends. Has anybody used Google Trends before? Again, 100% free. If I am an opportunistic uh, marketer, which all of you should be if you're business owners, Google Trends is, is your best friend, especially if I'm e-commerce, okay? I have a client, uh, not, not Christensen's, but in the clothing niche that is e-commerce, and we utilize Google Trends to see uh, what blogger or what product is super hot right now. And so I can see uh, what keywords, what phrases, are being searched the most this week. Matter of fact, today I can see that. Google provides that information. I can even see what products are hot at what parts of the country. Because sometimes something is, is really popular in Houston, Texas, um, and is totally different in Florida and New York. And so for this particular client, in this particular circumstance, I can see that this particular line of jewelry is really popular in Houston, Texas because there was a new big jewelry place opened up and a lot of people were talking about it. So guess what me as Smart Marketer is going to do? We carry that product, so I'm going to run a ton of Facebook ads in Houston talking about that product, right? I'm going to capitalize on the traffic that's already there, okay? Again, 100% free. You don't even have to install anything on your website because this doesn't have anything to do with your website. But this is a tool that you can see exactly what words and phrases are relevant to your world. Okay? Unshoes, a couple years ago, Born to Run came out, or what was that, five, ten years ago? I don't even know what it was. But, but there was a lot of people talking about that, your space, right? And so, again, smart marketer, I'm going to take advantage of all that traffic and I'm going to learn exactly what people are typing in. Are they typing in minimalist sandal? Are they typing in min minimalist shoe? Because that makes a difference, right? Uh, on what, what traffic they're going to get. If I know that, now I can start making some really good decisions. Now, this is mostly for e-commerce. Those of you that have a localized business probably won't get as much out of Google Trends other than it will just be super interesting. However, if you are a blogger, does anybody have a blog on their website? Okay, those of you that have a blog, you have a blog on your site. So this is relevant to you because even though you're just dealing with local people, right, it's super important for you to, to also get traffic from people outside of Cedar City, right? What, would, what percentage would you say are your clients that are in Cedar City and outside of Cedar City? Probably like half and half. Okay, half and half, right? So 50% of your business is reliant on people that probably have no idea who you are, right, initially. And so it's a race for every realtor to try to get in front of that person, right? If, um, if the show fixer upper 
is it's ending, and there's a lot of people talking about that. I'm probably going to write a blog post that's really relevant to that particular trend that's out there, right? Because that's going to give me the ability to uh, rank on Google on a particular set of keywords of something that people are talking about. Because what's, what does Google ultimately want to do? Their whole job is connecting websites with their customers, right? So as a customer, I'm going to Google and says, find me the best realtor in Cedar City. And then Google's got to decide, okay, I've got 150 different realtors in Cedar City or whatever that number is. I'm going to decide, because I'm Google, which ones I'm going to put where, right? And so my only job really is to convince Google that I'm number one, right? That I need to be in that first place because I'm the most relevant website to what that person is looking for. If you can make that connection and think in those terms, then you'll do really well on both the Google side and the consumer side. Okay? And again, one of the ways that you can convince Google to do that is, is through a blog. Okay? okay, so let's talk a little bit more specifics. So the first thing we're going to talk about on the Google side uh, that is very important is content. When I say content, what do I mean? What is content on a website? Anything that's on there, right? Could be uh, the different, if you have a lot of services, you know, maybe Spencer builds new houses, but maybe he does remodels. Maybe he does town, you know what I mean? He does a lot of different things, right? So that's different content that I'm going to put on my website uh, that's going to be relevant, okay? So content is number one. Now, there are a couple rules when it comes to content. The first one is no duplicate content. I see this quite often, actually, that when somebody's building a website, they will create their homepage and they'll have several paragraphs of content that they put on their site, and then they'll just replicate that um, internally on their site to a couple of different pages. So they'll have only written 300 words total about their business, but they utilize those 300 word snippets of it in a lot of different places on their site. Okay, So that's an internal. But especially, no duplicate content external. How, how might that happen? How would we have external duplicate content? I don't know what that is. My, uh, what was it, sixth grader got in trouble because she went to Wikipedia and she, she copied and pasted like a couple of paragraphs. Is anybody guilty of that when you were in school? Opening up, back in my day it was just encyclopedias, right? But man, it was like word for word. Anyways, that was just me. But she got in trouble for doing that, right? The reality is there are a ton of people that do this very thing, right? They'll find a blog or something that is on their topic and has a bunch of research. And instead of doing that for themselves, they'll just copy and paste a, a blog post and put it onto, their, onto their, their site. Now, is that legal to do that? Kind of great, probably not, right? What if you give them attribution? If you say, I didn't write this, but, but Joe Schmo from New York Times wrote it. Is it legal? Yeah, yeah. Might be legal, right? But for Google, they hate that. The Google algorithm will penalize you as a website if you do that. So on the like, internal stuff, like, we have a blog with ours, and so obviously Tell us, like, little 
pieces of stuff. Sure. And I'm pretty sure that most of our blog posts, some of them are going to have some of that same content. Yeah. Now, where it's not like a paragraph of the same thing here and there, like that's not yeah, I mean, it's, to, it's impossible to eliminate it internally completely, right? And for your infographic, it's probably just one big JPEG, right? Or one big, uh, yeah, oh, yeah it's, it's probably not an individual thing written out. It's probably a big image. Well, it's, yeah, it's got images with like a, a little bit of text okay. next to them. So yeah. they'll have like maybe two or three sentences next to each image. Sure. And then if we have a blog post that actually explains that same concept yeah. in detail. Yeah, yeah. You're going to run into it, right? It's, to, it's hard to avoid that internally completely, but just know that Google wants to see brand new content as much as possible, right? But that doesn't mean that you can't say the word unshoes on any other, every other page or your product on every other page. Um, but you don't want to take a whole paragraph that you wrote about that and add that to another page. Does that make sense? Okay, is everybody clear on that or is there any other question? So externally, um, you just got to be super careful, right? Because Google knows instantly as soon as their, their little spiders crawl your website, they know that you've taken that, that content from somebody else. Uh, does Facebook themselves? No, not that I know of. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't believe so. So if you, if you, you mean if you'd write a big long post, is that what you mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I'm just talking on your website. So, yeah, you want to use the same verbiage on that, that. That's no problem because Facebook's algorithm works totally different, and there's not necessarily a ranking system uh, the way that they do it, the same way that Google does it. And so, yeah, you're, you're fine in that circumstance. But that would be just mostly on a blog post or a new page on your website. That makes sense? Okay. Any questions on that? Okay, so the second thing is we want to eliminate unnecessary pages. Now, there was a time that uh, our web designer people, which we love, we love you very deeply, but our web designer people wanted to build as many pages as possible on the website because that's how they could, you know, charge you essentially is by page. Um, this is really not the best strategy. As an example, um, if you have, say, let's say you're a plumber, right, and you've got a set of services, you probably have a services page or, or what you provide on your site, right? Um, that really ought to be just one page. Like, you don't need to break that into an individual page if it's just a subservice, right? Now, if it's something that you're really trying to push, you, you, you can't you can do that, right? So if you just did repair work, but you also did a little bit of inst installs, maybe you did a little of, you know, uh, re repiping, I'm sure that's not the right word, but, but you do some of those things, right? Um, you wouldn't necessarily need to add a different page for each one of those things, right? Now, the only time that you would is if it's a big enough thing in your business or you want it to be a big enough thing that you're going to create an entire quality page of great content um, that specifically has a lead generation system to it, okay? But don't just create a page to create a page. I would much rather, as a consumer, find a website that has five really awesome pages that answers every question that I want or need than have 10,000 pages that I'm going to have to click through for a million years to find what I want. Who's had that experience when you go to a website and you just spend 15 minutes just trying to find the answer to what you're looking for, right? That's somebody that's just thrown stuff up there and it's a terrible experience for the consumer and Google doesn't like it either. 
okay? And so if you can be really succinct on your site and, and put exactly what it is that you're wanting to accomplish uh, and what it is that you're trying to generate that lead from, that's gonna be your best circumstance. Now, in most cases, I want somebody to talk to me as quick as possible. Like, they, they get on my site, I don't want them to spend a ton of time on my website, I want them to call me, right, or send me uh, information, because the quicker I can get in front of them, the better chance I have to close them as a new client, right? And I would assume it's probably the same for, for many of you. Like, your best salesman is, is you, or your salesperson, or, or whatever, it's human to human, right? And so if I can do that, then I'm gonna probably be more successful um, in, in what I'm trying to accomplish, okay? And so if I give them endless pages to go through before they ever actually create a lead out of themselves, um, then I'm probably not going to have a very good return on my website. Now, I may want to link them over maybe to my YouTube channel or my Facebook page, right? If they're the type of person that wants to do a ton of research. If I want to show them the, the 50 last houses that I built, and this was the last one we did in the Parade of Homes and that kind of stuff, that's okay, right? But there's better mediums to do that than just endless pages on your site. Okay? How many pages do they look? I mean, I, you know, honestly, I, I don't know that there's a magic number, and it probably depends on the industry. I would say for a plumber, personally, I wouldn't have more than, than five or six pages tops. I, I really wouldn't. I, I don't know that you need it. That does include your blog, your blog, right? Because each blog post is its own page, and that's a little bit different. But as far as just telling, me, telling them about my business, I don't think you need more than that. Matter of fact, that's probably too many. Yeah, it's probably that's probably too many. There, there is a trend right now, and there's a lot of companies that are successful with, which just have a long form sales letter. So you've noticed it's just one page, but it's super long, and you can keep scrolling. And there's an opportunity for you to become a customer like six different times as you scroll through that page. That's a trend right now that a lot of people are finding some success with. And they don't have a lot of other pages. Matter of fact, maybe, maybe they don't have any other pages. They've answered all the questions just on a long form scroll rather than a page. Because again, if I'm looking at it on a mobile device, it's a lot easier for me to do this than it is to click on a little link or whatever and go to a new page that has to load, okay? So again, depends on your customers, who it is that's out on your, uh, going to your website, um, is how I'm gonna build that experience, okay? Okay, so let's talk about uh, localized content. What would localized content be? Anybody have any ideas? Maybe instead of my blog post being new home trends for 2018, maybe my blog post is new home trends in Cedar City in 2018, okay? I've added a little context. Remember, those of you who were at my class a few months ago, we want context to every single post that we make, every single video that we make, especially if my goal is local clients, right? I'm gonna write a, a blog post that says, you want the number one plumber in Cedar City? That's gonna be the title of my blog post, right? And I'm gonna write about myself. That sounds really self-serving, but, but you know what I'm saying. You're creating a geographic context to the information that you're putting out. 
because as much as I want to um, appeal to uh, uh, people outside of Utah as a business, as a plumber, in reality, you just want to talk to people in southern Utah, right? Because that's your core business. And so that's where you need to be focusing your time and your energy. Most businesses don't do this in their blog. If you have a blog strategy, and I'm actually not even saying that you should have a blog strategy, but if you have a blog strategy, try to make about one out of every three posts localized that has some kind of geographic context uh, to, to your content. Okay? Okay. Let's go to, let's talk about blog just for a second. There are some rules when you come to writing your blog, okay? Your blog should be, at a minimum, 300 words. Should have at least one picture or video. You should have one internal link, meaning that I'm linking to another page or product on my website, okay? and then one external link. Meaning that I've quoted somebody or I've referenced a study or I've referenced somebody else's website. And so I'm not, again, I'm not gonna copy and paste it, but I am gonna hyperlink that uh, reference to their website, okay? Now there are some really easy tools that you can use, so let's put this back in our tool that if you use WordPress, how many here use WordPress for your website? WordPress is a really common uh, website architecture tool. There's a couple of tools that you can use. One is called All-in-One SEO, and the other is called Yoast SEO. Cordell, I think you've used one of those two, haven't you? Yoast. You, you, you guys both have used Yoast? Okay. Yoast is a really easy and free tool. Of course, there's premium products there, but it's a free tool to basically um, help you structure each page on your site, including each blog post. And so you can go through, and it, it does a few other things other than that, but, but you can go through and write your blog post, and it will essentially tell you, yeah, you need to, you need to adjust this, or you need to mention the keyword earlier. Um, in your content or, or you need to you know, add a few more words or whatever. It also does something called a readability index, which I actually find really interesting because I spent a lot of my career doing technical writing. And so I have, a, I have a tendency sometimes when I write a blog post to have it sound very technical, very clinical. And so when I'm talking about the consumer, that doesn't read very well, right? It's hard to read that kind of content. It's like you're reading a textbook. It's not very creative writing. And so that readability index helps me relook at my content that I've written and readjust it and add a little bit more human into my writing, okay? So you may find that for those of you that blog, uh, that would be an easy tool for you to use. Okay, so let's talk about architecture just for a minute. I'm running out of space. Does anybody, can I erase this, this part? Yeah, okay. So your architecture on your website is very important when it comes to Google. I have too many T's in there, but architecture. So architecture would be the way that you structured your website because Google likes to see the structure of your website really, really key. I love WordPress because WordPress out of the box forces me to create my website in a good structure that's very Google uh, friendly, okay? 
So that architecture is going to uh, speak to Google and it's gonna be looking for a couple of different things. One of them is called a sitemap. So maybe you worked with a sitemap before. A sitemap is essentially like a map, right? It tells Google exactly what pages I have and what structure I've, I've created for my website. And so I have kind of a family tree looking thing uh, for, for a website that these are my different pages and this is what goes to my products and I might have 500 products, but this is the structure and the map of how to get there. And so I can submit a sitemap through uh, many different plugins through WordPress, or I can actually also do it uh, with Google Webmaster Tools, okay? So a sitemap is something that you wanna look at, and if you add a sitemap to your site, you'll find that it will rank, it'll rank a little bit better organically, okay? The next thing would be URL structure. Now, we've kinda gotten in the way that a lot of us don't look at the URL when we go to a page, and the reason for that is if we were, excuse me, responded to an ad or, or we've gone somewhere and clicked on, on some kind of a link, it just brings us right to the content. We didn't have to go to the address bar and type it in, type the URL in like we, we used to have to do. But Google still looks at the URL structure of a site. And so I don't want my URL structure to look like this, ironforgemedia.com slash uh, 12 slash 24 slash um, and then maybe it's a few words. That's not the way that I want my, my structure to be. I want my structure to be more keyword friendly than just numbers because it's hard for Google to know exactly what it is I'm talking about if I just have a 12 or I just have a 24. Out of the box, a lot of blog systems will actually set your, uh, your uh, URL structure based on numbers and not on keywords. It's a really easy thing to fix and change within your architecture, but it's something that will actually rank you better if you do your URL structure based on keyword and not on number, okay? Uh, the next thing is an SSL. So that is basically, uh, you're certifying to Google that you have a safe and secure website. If you have a site that people can buy something from, um, an SSL is, is pretty well a requirement nowadays. You have to have a secure site to be able to do that. Um, recently, probably eight months ago, Google changed their algorithm that now they want every single site on the internet to have an SSL certificate. Um, many of your uh, hosting companies can provide you an SSL for free. A lot of them do that. If not, the most I've seen it is about, about 50 to 100 bucks per year uh, to have an SSL. And so if you don't have an SSL certificate on your website, um, which basically you could tell by going to your URL and seeing it's HTTPS rather than just HTTP, um, that that's something you need to fix. You'll find that if you add an SSL certificate, your rankability on Google will be much higher because of that. Okay, does anybody have an SSL on their site? You do, Scott? Yeah. Has it made a difference when you put an SSL on there? How long, you probably had an SSL for a while though. So yeah, I'm not sure if it changed my rankability, but yeah. for us with the online yearbook stuff, it's important. Yeah. 
process credit cards. Yeah, for those of you that are actually doing transactions on your site, an SSL is, you, you have to have it, because if you don't have it, you're opening yourself up to a ton of liability. Uh, with somebody hacking your site and then getting the credit card information from your customers. So again, it's a very easy thing to do, but because it is a fairly new requirement, there's a lot of websites that haven't added that quite yet uh, to their website. So do that. It doesn't matter what kind of website you have. You want to make sure you have it. Okay. Um, let's talk real quickly before we totally run out of time here. Let's talk about backlinks. Does anybody know what a backlink is? Scott, you just have all the answers, don't you? Yes. Yeah. Far away. Um, links from other sites linking back to your site. Yeah. Why, why would that be important? It shows that your content's relevant, not just to you, but to other people. Yeah. If people are citing you and directing people to you, yeah. Google also wants to direct you. Right. Now, if I'm on my website and I say, Mike Green is the smartest consultant around, um, Google's going to say, okay, Mike Green thinks he's a consultant, um, so maybe we're going to rank him in the group of, of consultants. Now, if I have Scott say, you know what, Mike Green is the best doggone consultant I've ever come in contact with, and he puts that on his website, Google's going to say, oh, okay. Now it's not just Mike talking about himself, but now it's Scott. He's also talking about Mike. So we're going to maybe add a few more points to that. But what if I have Forbes that writes an article, and they say, Mike Green is the best uh, consultant in the United States? You think that's going to pique Google's attention? Yeah, Google's going to say, oh, wow, here's a super credible resource. Not that Scott's not credible, but they're on a whole different level, right? Here's a super credible uh, uh, resource that's citing me and my website as an authority on something. So Google's going to say, oh, okay, obviously Mike Green is the best doggone consultant around, and so we're going to put all the traffic here because, again, my, my purpose of Google is just to connect my customers with the most relevant site. And Mike has now convinced me, because Forbes said it is true, that um, I'm the best option for my Google customers, right? So now my rankability is huge. And so a backlink essentially is... Somebody on the internet, a website on the internet um, that essentially validates what it is that you do or validates something that you've talked about, okay? So again, if, I, if I'm convinced that Spencer is the best home builder in southern Utah and I have my own website and I, and I write a blog post or, or even a Facebook post or something out on the web that validates what he's trying to convince everybody else of, now I've got something that Google can rank, okay? There's a huge danger, though, when it comes to backlinks. SEO companies know about this, right? And so they call you up on the phone and they try to convince you that we guarantee we're gonna get you to the first position on the first page of Google, and we're gonna do that because we're gonna get a ton of backlinks for you, okay? What happens, and I worked in this industry for, for quite a few years, what happens is they will go to, they will take your website and they will link it on what's called a link farm, okay? And a link farm is something that may be overseas or whatever, and the whole purpose of this website is to trade links back and forth. Back in the day, that used to be the way that uh, people would trick the algorithm to get ranked really quickly, okay? Nowadays, if you get caught doing that, um, you can be blacklisted essentially on Google and you just won't show up anywhere. It's a very, very dangerous thing and all the liability is on you. It's not on your SEO company as much as you, can, you may do. But I've seen huge companies 
uh, get delisted because they were uh, participating in these practices and they got in a ton of trouble. And matter of fact, there was a, there was a huge realtor site actually that had that happen. Uh, big industry-wide site, and it, it took them, they lost millions and millions and millions of dollars because they weren't careful on their SEO companies and finding out where their links are. So does anybody here use an SEO internet marketing company? Okay, if you ever do, and there are some really great ones out there, legitimate ones out there, make sure that you know and are, and, and are getting a report every month which, with what links are linking to your site. So you have an absolute comfort level. You can visit that. You can click on that link, visit that site, and know exactly what, what that site is. Is a legitimate site or is this just a link farm uh, type of site? Again, that used to be the way that the people could game the, the algorithm no longer. Okay, so be careful with your backlinks. Go ahead, I think the lesson there is just uh, doing everything that Mike's showing here is, is putting legitimate content, relevant content, getting For sure. is, is the best way to go when it comes to SEO. Anytime somebody's trying to trick the system or think that they, they know information about the algorithm in Google that nobody else does, yeah. that's always the bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. And from what I understand, um, certain, like you were talking about Forbes, certain types of websites, like .gov, for example, or .gov. Yeah, for sure. Those mm -hmm. tend to rank you higher. So if you have something that's related to um, a government agency or whatever, right. linked to it, maybe even a job. <coughs> or something, mm -hmm. like, yeah. So as, a, as an example, uh, again, for my client that's in the doctor space, we write a lot of research articles that the whole purpose of those articles is we submit them to their EDU uh, uh, websites for them, to, for them to post as we're the experts, right? And they're posting our research that we've done in that industry and they post it on their EDU website. The whole purpose of that is basically for that link and to establish ourselves as experts in the field. Does that make sense? Okay. So, but, but Cordell was right on the money don't don't try to game the system because you'll get caught and and I, I've seen lots of companies get caught and it hurts it's hard though it's tempting because there are ways to game the system and it's hard when you're opening up a new plumbing company and you just know if you were just number one on the Google search you just your phone would be ringing constantly right like you know that's you just I just have to do that I just have to get there and so it's really tempting to talk to that dude from Pakistan that called you on the phone about SEO and pay him 250 bucks because he promised he'd get you on the front page um, within a month, right? He might get you on the front page and you might get away with it, but you might not either. And it, in my opinion, it's not worth the risk. The best thing that you can do, and this has been true for 100 years when it comes to marketing, is put out fantastic content. That's the best thing that you can do. So within your niche, within your industry, it might be a customer testimonial, right? It might be an awesome picture of the interior of a house, right? It might be, again, somebody that's used your product. You've got to find out what is awesome content for you, um, and that's how you're going to get your customers. For me personally, my whiteboard videos that I do on marketing, that I post on Facebook, is the best way that I get customers because that's my very best content that I can put out right now. I'm sure there's other things I could do, but for me right now, that's the best customer acquisition thing that I can do uh, because it works for me, right? That's probably not true for you guys, but for me, that's what works. And so, again, find out what that is, what's going to match your customers or the customers that you want, and create that type of content and put it out there. Is anybody 
man, it's like you saw my notes. That's the next, that's the next category we're going to talk about. And it's, no, it's great. It's called social linking. Now, for a long time, your social site and your website wasn't actually connected with Google. They didn't tell you that. They told you that it was, but it actually wasn't. They looked at those two things as separate entities. That's not the case anymore. They now uh, are looking at, at, at your, essentially, your internet real estate. Okay? And so if you haven't done this already, um, you need to start making this a practice. That anytime there's a new medium that's released, you want to secure your real estate. Okay? So my real estate is my name. And my real estate is, uh, is my, my business name, okay? So anytime there's a new platform that's released, and the second I hear about it, I register for it, and I secure my space, okay? This is the Ironforge Media space. This is, I'm, I'm reserving this username. I'm reserving this as my name in my space. And so if you haven't done that already, you need to do that. You need to go out and, and get a Snapchat account uh, for your name and your space, it's probably way too late in Snapchat. But as an example, you'd want to do that and secure your space. Because your social presence, which many of us have gone from posting a lot on our websites to posting a lot on our Facebook pages, which makes sense, because that's where consumers are, right? Consumers are hanging out on Facebook more than they're hanging out on websites. And so um, these two things are connected. And it used to be, even two years ago, that your Facebook feed and the things you put out online that was outside of your website was a stabilizer for your website. Like those social things were just what kind of auxiliaries to your website. Now it's kind of flipped around in a lot of cases for a lot of businesses. Now their Facebook following or their Instagram following is their primary resource and their website is just a support, a foundation piece to that. To that, that like the, their their social is the mothership essentially, and it used to be the website. Okay, so. Does it benefit you to have, say, a Snapchat account if you're not going to use it? It it benefits you in that you've you've reserved the space and nobody else can decide in their basement that they oh this this product is kind of like an unshoe. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that, right? Because then you would get into a whole new set of problems where you have to say, no, 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 actually, we're the unshoe, and you're putting it out there, so now i got to buy the space from you or whatever. So you would save yourself from that. Um, and so it's beneficial in that. I certainly wouldn't promote it. I probably wouldn't even link it on my website that I have a Snapchat account if there's nothing there for them to be able to discover. Um, I'm probably going to just have Facebook and Instagram or Twitter, right? Those are the kind of the primary ones that people use, and that's going to be what I'm going to link on my site if that's where I'm active, right? If I'm just on Instagram and not on Facebook very much, um, I'm going to probably have that Instagram feed built into a widget on my website, right? So they can see and interact with it. Because ultimately, what do I want to do? I want them to follow me on Instagram, right? Because that's how I'm making my cells. Um, and same true with Facebook, and it could be for Snapchat, again, depending on what your customer base is. Does that make sense? But you do need to have them connected. And so I cannot tell you how many websites, again, new client that comes through the door, and I'm doing a website audit for them, and I click on the little Facebook icon that's on their site, and where does it go? It, it, goes, it either goes nowhere, or it just goes to Facebook.com, right? Or it goes to the theme developer's 
uh, a Facebook page that created the theme for them or the website design. It's not going the right place. And so you need to make sure that those icons, and I didn't go through and do a check on some of your guys' websites, but make sure that your social icons, which is the bare minimum of social linking, is going to the right place. Okay? That makes sense? I like to see a little bit of social interaction on my site. And so for many of my clients' sites, if they have a type of feed or product that they have a lot of people that will comment on one of their Facebook posts, how much they love them or whatever, then I will add that feed to their site. Okay, so that, that will be something that people will see. Obviously, there's a little risk there because if somebody hates them, then I don't want them to show on their site. But, but if that doesn't happen very often, then we usually will add that to their site. I may add an Instagram photo feed right, that pops up on there. Again, just depending on what their customers are. And there's a lot of fun widgets and tools that you can add to your site to increase your social or at least connect them. Um, but again, ultimately, you've got to decide, where am I acquiring this customer? Where am I making the sell? Is it on my Facebook page or is it off my website? Because if it's off my website, then again, I just want them to call the number or submit their lead as quick as possible, right? Or buy my product from my e-commerce side. So social linking is super important. If you do have a, web, uh, a Facebook page and then you have a website and those entities aren't connected, Google recognizes that and they know that you're not as legitimate as you could be. Okay, so that's something you've got to do. Any question on social linking? No? Okay. Such as? I don't, yeah, I, I don't know that that, I don't know that don't like is the right word. I, I, I think that they, well, there's, there's two, there's two point, there's two points on that. They, they don't like sites that aren't architected well. And so oftentimes some of those website builders that are just out of the box, like Weebly, I think there's a couple others out there. They're not architected in a way that, that Google likes. Okay. That being said, some of those are very readable when it comes to the consumer, right? And so I'm not saying those are bad things to use, but I've got to make sure that I have a different source to get people to my website instead of just relying on Google's algorithm to rank me really high, okay? The other ones that, that I'll say, and again, there's a lot of small businesses that utilize this, is they'll use the free version of of Weebly or some of these other site builders, and it will be yourdomain.weebly.com or something like that, or weebly.com slash uh, whatever your entity is. You are not going to build any domain value with that type of a, of a system, okay? So that, again, is why I'm a huge fan of WordPress, because WordPress was created to be super user-friendly. And two hours on some WordPress training on YouTube, and you can get everything done with WordPress that you need to get done. So the cost, again, when I have a new client that has uh, some kind of a web presence, you're basically looking at about 10 bucks a year for your domain. You're looking at, you know, 10 bucks a month for your hosting. And then WordPress is free. Most hosting companies now, be it GoDaddy, Network Solutions, whoever, they usually have a one-click install for WordPress. It's super easy. Now, WordPress is a huge part of the internet, 
and there are many other products, other architecture systems that are being created outside of WordPress. Matter of fact, how are you building your websites? Okay, so so I don't even know what that is. What is that? Okay, yeah, very similar, a, a similar system, and so I. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's more about the architecture, right? For most sites that I'm building, and I've talked about this before, I I actually don't use any of that. I use ClickFunnels, right? Because I have a different traffic source for my business, and so I create. It's a super easy website. That's what I do. That's how I utilize my my creations and in. in in releasing my message. But if I was an e-commerce site, um, I would use probably WordPress or I'd use you know the Shopify stuff or I'd use some of those things that are out there that are going to be speaking both to Google and the consumer. But I'm gonna know whether that's effective based on these tools, based on Google Analytics, okay? Okay, thanks for sharing that. Okay, so the last thing let's talk about for the Google side is map listings. Oh. So hibernate, hibernating. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I, I closed my eyes and I stretched and then I opened up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait a second. <laughs> oh, we've been here. Who's got, who's got the map listing verified on their, for their business? You do? Well, for the AmFam one. Oh, for the AmFam one, okay. Um, you do for the plumbing site? Okay. You don't? For yours? No. What? Okay. <laughs> so the map listing is super, super important. So map listing is um, when I type in home builder Cedar City, what am I going to see very first if I type that in? Even before that, I maybe see a few ads, right? I may see a few ads at the top, which again is Google AdWords, and that was a discussion for another day. But I'm going to see that first. But then I'm going to see the map listings, right? And if it's something really common like home builder, it's a very good chance that those map listings are going to take up the majority of the rest of that page. And there may only be two other uh, links, organic links, underneath the map listings. And so what do you think, three? In your industry, there's three? three. Yeah. And Again, you go, like, for a plumber or something, it, you're going to have a lot of listings, right? Some of them are, I, you know, I've been talking to some people, some are hokey, like, like supply houses. Sure. Totally, yeah. Like, really? Again, gaming the system a little bit, right? And, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. But sure, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, very frustrating. It's frustrating for you, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to you as a business owner, isn't it? It's probably it's frustrating for the consumer as well, because if I need somebody to unclog a pipe, and I'm not going to call. The plumbing supply house, you know what I mean, and I'm, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to call a new construction plumber, like I have a challenge that I have this specific problem. I have so, one that calls me all the time. He used to work for 
in there, and they're a new construction, commercial, industrial, yeah, right. residential plumber, and they send me a lot of work. So yeah. If you're not on the map, you don't have a website that's listed, they do, I think it's a phony one, but you go in there and it's like, really, what? <laughs> you know, but it's like, they send me work, so I'm not... Yeah, it's not horrible I'm for not you. I'm harsh about it, but it's like... Uh, and then I talked to... Because I talked to a lot of people, how did you find me? Mm -hmm. You know, okay, it was this or this or this, and, and a lot of times I say, well, did you change the star rating? Because if you did, like, I'm sure. three. Right. And actually, I'm the first one. Yeah. But there's other people above me because of ranking with Google. Yeah. So Google has its own algorithm for the maps. There are a lot of people that spend a ton of money every month on an SEO company, search engine optimization company. And the whole goal of an SEO company is to get ranked high in those organic listings. I'm not saying that's bad, but if you're not focused on this first, then you're making a mistake. Because the map listings are typically, does that go down again? Oh man. So, so typically, a, a consumer is probably not going to go past the map listings in most industries, okay? For food, for sure. Uh, for, uh, I would say, even home builders in many cases, realtors, a lot of those type of services industries, you are not going to have them go past those map listings because that map is essentially answering every question they had. Are they local? Do they have a phone number? Um, and how do people like them? Yeah, do they have a website? And do people like them or not? Yeah, exactly. Like it's answering our human questions that we have right off the bat. And so if I type in Realtor Cedar City and I see that you've got the most reviews, right, and you've got a local phone number and everything that I need, my time is valuable, right? I'm probably not going to spend a ton of time calling anybody else. I'm just going to call you, right? And so it's super important that you make sure that your map listing is a huge focus for your marketing. Let me tell you how you rank your map listing, okay? And this is kind of some insider stuff, but you've got to make sure that your NAP um, is consistent. And your NAP is your name, <coughs> excuse me, your address, and your phone number. What Google does and how they rank their maps listings is they will go to every other list aggregator. A list aggregator would be Yellow Pages, Yelp, um, Super Pages, and there's like a million of them, right? And they're gonna look at every listing that you have, and a lot of times you'll have a business listing in some obscure um, uh, a yellow page type site. You don't even know that it exists. They just added you because you have a business license or something like that. And they will have that as a listing, okay? The challenge there is that oftentimes those listings don't match up. So you, had, you have an address, but you moved office locations. And because you moved office locations, you have some listings on yellow pages or Yahoo or whatever that has your old address. But now on your website and on your Facebook page and on your, your Google map listing, you have a different address, okay? Google's still gonna rank you, but they're gonna say, ah, we're not totally sure where these guys are at, or is this two different locations, two different offices, or is it the same office, is one closed, one not? And because you've caused question in the mind of Google, you're gonna be penalized because of that, 
Okay, I see that happen all the time. Another one that happens often, especially for small businesses, is they'll have created a listing and they'll put their cell phone number down, right? Because they, they, want, they want them to call them directly. But as their business grew, they said, okay, I'm tired of getting calls constantly. Now I have an official 800 number or a local number that I have staffed by a front, front desk person. And so that number changes that they want to read. And so Google looks at that and they say, ah, I just don't know what number um, is the consistent number, and because of that, I'm going to penalize you. So the ones that, that rise to the top, make sure their name and their address and the phone number is exactly the same. Another thing that happens all the time, um, their, their name will be slightly different. You'll have, my company is, is a plumbing store Cedar City, and, but on some listings I have it, the plumbing store Cedar City. And sometimes it's the plumbing store Cedar City, Utah. There's all these different, just slightly different things that create a little bit of question in the mind. So you need to make sure that they're as consistent as you possibly can. And so there's the big ones that you need to check, right? Your Google map, Yahoo maps, Yellow Pages, um, Yelp, Bing. Like there's all, thank, thank you for bringing in the Microsoft. I appreciate that. But you've got to make sure that they're consistent on the top five, okay? But there is probably another 150 out there that you've never even heard of before. But Google's algorithm is looking at those as well when they decide if they're going to rank your business. So there are some tools uh, that you can utilize to check that, but it is a paid tool. It's about 100 bucks a year. And it's called Moz Local. Cordell, did you ever use Moz? Yeah, Moz is, is, is a great resource when it comes to search engine optimization. They have a really basic tool that you can add your listing and it will essentially be kind of a mastership, mothership listing of this is exactly the way I want my name to look, my, my address to look, my phone number to look. This is the act, my actual website. Uh, these are the five pictures that I want representing my business. This is my official logo. Um, all of those things you put into Moz, then they essentially aggregate all that, they push all that information out to all these different listings. That's cool, especially when you move, change locations. Yeah, you could, change that and then it pushes that. And actually, Google likes to see that, right? They, they like to see, oh, there's an update here. They've gotten a different office or whatever. Um, they just need to be let know that this is now your official right. address. Go ahead. Just a quick question yeah. on that listing. No, go ahead. But um, for those of us with like home-based businesses, yeah. do, I, do I want to put a map listing where I live? You know, that's up to you, frankly. And it's, it's a great question and one that a lot of companies struggle with. Um, not just home, um, but I have a client that's a, they're a probation. They're, they do like probation for, for people. And so they don't necessarily want, yeah, exactly. Like they don't want just people walking in through the door. Go ahead. So on Google Maps, you can claim your there's options where you can put don't show me on Google Maps. Yeah. So if someone searches for your business specifically, you still show up on the Google Maps stuff. It doesn't show an address, but it'll show your phone number, your website. Right. Got all of that. So you, there is options. Yeah. It'll show up on the listing and the map. But, but that said, that said, you, you'll probably not outrank somebody that is showing right. up. But that's a brick and mortar. That's my problem. And I see oh, okay. that all the time. I see it all the time where someone will have their map listing in their office. In the question point. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Not as far as I not as far as I know. Google doesn't do that. 
So the, the only way they verify is can you receive mail at that location? That, that's how they verify it. And so we're in our safety cone here, right? So this is, this is the way that you can do it if you're in that situation. Um, not the best way to do it, but it's a way that if you, uh, if you have a home office or something but you don't want people showing up at your house, this is how you can do that. Um, you can, well, you have two different options. There are some times you can do a post office box and register that, but Google's doing everything they can possibly do to eliminate that, so that may or may not work. I'm not sure if that actually works here in Cedar or not. Another thing that you can do is you can have a space in a somebody else's office building, um, a, a, a janitor's closet or something like that, somewhere where if somebody says, I'm going to send it to Southwest Tech uh, address, but I'm sweet. 500, right? You guys don't have a sweet 500, but I'm sweet 500. Um, that is a way that you can get around that. The challenge with that is that you may have customers show up to that broom closet and like, well, what's going on here, right? But for Google's sake, if, if I know that my customers probably aren't the type that are just going to drive to my location and walk through the door, they're probably going to call me. That is a way that you can get around that, okay? It's not ideal, not the best way to do that, but if you're in that circumstance, because I don't want people coming to my home office either, right? But I do want to talk to them, and so um, so that you have to do some of those workarounds. Okay. Again, the only thing you need to be able to do is receive mail at that location. So they will actually send you a little card in most cases that has a little code on there um, to that location, and that's their verification method that you can say, "Oh, I got, I received this. Now I'm going to enter in the little code, and it's verified as a location." Go ahead. <clears throat> yeah. 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 But if we do these things and improve the map listing, that just improves how we show up on Google, even if they're not searching. How, how you show up on Google in the map section. In your circumstance, you go, you don't have any retail presence here, right? You like you don't have a store. You, you do. No. Well, no. We. I mean, we we do sell out of our like our shop in the front. Then I would I would definitely do it then. Yeah, yeah, but is it like they walk through a? It's not a retail front, is it, or no, is it? It's, it's a, it's like a, a shop, but just like in the front we have sort of like a showroom area and offices in the front, and then yeah. the shop in the back. So we do have some things in stock. Most people order even if they come in. Yeah. Put in the order. And <clears> the <throat> yeah. Would your would your would your owner be mad if he got 50 people a year that walked through the door and bought something? Probably not. I would, so I would do it if I was you. I think if you have any opportunity for somebody local to buy something and you have any kind of a retail brick and, brick and mortar type location, then this is a must, in, in my opinion. Be One of our other issues is if you put our address into Google Maps, you can't, they, it will not take you to our building. Mm, yeah. And so Common issue. I have the same issue with a lot of my clients. It's, there's something jacked up in their mapping yeah. system, which you can do. So there are ways that you can remedy that. I found that to be work sometimes. But we do the same thing with our insurance office. What we have done is, because we're just off of industrial, uh -huh. and so the street that we're actually on, like it, it, when you put it in, it takes you over like a hospital somewhere. But if we put that corner on industrial, then it'll show you that. Mm. 
Yeah. Find it. But then that's not our legitimate mailing address, so I don't know how that messes yeah. with Yeah, I, I, I would, <laughs> excuse me, I would do it as your legitimate mailing address. Um, and get people close to the area and then have killer signage. I mean, again, we're kind of at the mercy of Google on that. And you can call them and say, hey, you don't have this quite right, or when I type in this location, it doesn't quite bring us there. And they will make some adjustments sometimes. But I've, I've spent a fair amount of time on the phone with them to try to adjust it, and sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. But unfortunately, it's not. It's just something that we have to live by their rules, essentially. And so we have to we have to do what they say, essentially. So, long story short, yes, I would totally do it if I was you, uh, for you guys, because there is retail traffic. Okay, we got like six minutes left, and I don't know how our time went so fast. But there's the last piece to this is make sure that you've got keywords based on your map listing. This is a strategy that that you're struggling with in in plumbing is that you have the plumbing supply store that wants to rank anytime somebody types in plumber. It used to be that there were only a small set of keywords that you could really use um, to describe your business. And so it was plumber or something, even if you were a plumbing supply store. Um, Google is every single week, they're adding more keywords that you can add to your map listings. And so make sure that the keywords that you have on your map listing are the right ones or as close as possible to your business. Because again, if I'm plumber, I don't want to talk to the guy that go, wants to go buy some PVC, right? I, I don't want to talk to that guy. I want to talk to the guy that has a drain or the clogged pipe, right? Maybe, you know what I mean? So um, I want to make sure that my keywords match my business as best as possible. That being the case, if you have a niche business, like unshoe sandals, right? That's pretty niche, and so I'm going to have to make some decisions and probably just try to rank when anybody puts in shoes, right? Or even apparel or something like that, that probably 85% of those people are gonna have no interest in your product, right? But from a marketing standpoint, I still wanna talk to that person. I wanna still make sure that there's nothing I have that, that I can sell to them, right? That's frustrating to other businesses, right? Because I'm more savvy than they are, and so I'm gonna to talk to a lot of their customers first, but that just means I'm playing the game better, right? Go ahead. So, question. So, I know on other websites you can get dinged for that, right? Like, if you're doing keyword sure. stuff, yeah. and you're sending people to your listing or your site, mm -hmm. people are bouncing, yeah. you get penalized for that. For sure. For a while, they say, well, this person's not selling yeah. Google, do Google does that? on the website side for sure. Like if you're trying to rank your website based on keywords that doesn't have anything to do with your site, again, that was an old school way to game the system. For your map listings, the list is still finite enough that um, you're gonna, if you do that, you won't be able to do that very long. Like if I'm a plumber and I'm trying to, to rank for restaurants or something like that, number one, I'm not sure why I would do that, but, but number two, it's gonna be found out really quick, either through the reviews or whatever, that that's happening. Okay, so just long story short, don't try to game the system. Um, do what's relevant to you, but make sure that you're getting in front of as, most, as many potential customers as possible when you set up your map listing, okay? Let's leave the last three or four minutes. I realize now this topic is bigger than, than 90 minutes. Is there any pressing questions anybody has on anything that we've gone through today when it comes to SEO? Oh yeah, okay. I'll just be a, a little offended here, but you're okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, you talked about being able to change the URL structure. Mm -hmm. Is 
Sure. Yeah. So for you guys specifically, because I've gone to your website and looked, um, you guys do have a, a, a URL structure that's not ideal in my opinion. But you actually have a problem even before that, in that when I click on your blog link, it goes to a completely different site. It goes to the blog.wordpress.com site or org or something like that. And then you have your URL structure in that. You guys aren't getting near the value through your blog as you would be if you hosted your blog directly on your site. Um, and, and did it that way and then created the, the blog structure. Because your blog posts are awesome. Like they're very, very well researched and you go way beyond the minimums that need to be done. Um, but there's a couple of key things and we'll talk about that when we meet um, in, a, in a week or so. There's a couple of key things that you guys could be doing to get a heck of a lot more value out of your blog for you guys specifically. So any other questions SEO wise? Dane. I've heard rumors, I don't know if it's true, is it smart to put in spelling errors, or is that... I don't know. Someone's searching for a plumber, they want yeah. to plumber, they put P-L-U-N-F. You know, you know, actually how I do that is, because Google Webmaster Tools tracks every bit of traffic that I have, and how it is that they're spelling, if you have a funky business name that's commonly misspelled, or something that you do is commonly misspelled, or maybe somebody is typing in unshoes, maybe it's unspaced shoes, and then sometimes it's unshoes, right? Google Webmaster Tools will actually tell you that and exactly how things are being spelled. And so if, if you go here and you see that you have something that's commonly being misspelled, then yeah, maybe I'll do that. And you'll notice like if you go to even your, the URL that you buy, facebook.com, but also variations of that will also get you to facebook.com, right? It's kind of that same thing. If there's something that's commonly misspelled in your industry, you have a product that's hard to spell, especially your industry, right? A lot of your products that you sell, people don't know how to pronounce them, let alone spell them, right? Um, you may look at that strategy for your industry. For most of the rest of us, though, it's, pr it's not something that I would spend a ton of time on um, because that's, I'm probably not getting a lot of return on investment for the time that I spend. Any other questions? You might have already addressed this, with the Google Map listing, how much do you think reviews play into that? That was our next point we didn't get to. Um, reviews are huge frankly. If I'm a brick and mortar business and I'm relying, relying on local traffic, I am not going to rest until I am the number one reviewed whatever for my business of anybody in town. And so if I'm a home builder, if I'm a realtor, if I'm a, a web designer, um, I'm not going to be able to sleep well at night until I know that I have the most reviews. Not, not going, because that's not the, not the only factor, for sure. It's a big factor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a couple of factors. One of them is, is how long they've been around, right? How long, when was it that they uh, verified their listing? Was it five years ago? That has a lot of credence when it comes to Google because they know they're established. And so a lot of times you'll type in a, a keyword and it'll have somebody come up that has no reviews. That's because a lot of times because of they're an older business. Not always, but a lot of times because it has an older business. It could be um, the reason you have a lot of reviews and you're not ranking is there's something else going on. Uh, either a conflict, 
of the Google's data. Maybe you're being penalized for some reason. Oh, by the way, that's something that Webmaster Tools tells you if you're being penalized for something on Google. Uh, Google Webmaster Tools will give you a, tell you exactly what it is and how to fix it. Even bad links, right, it'll also tell you that. But it could be for some other reason. But it's not a perfect algorithm in that if I have the most reviews and my NAP listings are good, I'm always going to be number one. It just doesn't work that way. A lot of it is where they're standing on the IP address of their phone when they're looking, right? Because Google also wants to give them something that's relevant to their space. So if I'm across town and I'm looking for a restaurant, the restaurants that are right around me, and Google knows right where I'm at, are going to usually rank better than if I'm on the other, types, other side of town. So again, there's a lot more factors there, some of which are out, out of your control, right? Um, but that, that could determine that Google map listing. That makes sense? So again, we need to focus on things we can control, but where the person's at, where they're Googling, is something we can't control. So any other questions? Now, this is a broad topic. Um, again, if you do have a question and you want to go through it a little bit more, you can contact me, Mike, at ironforgemedia.com. Um, I'm not sure what next month's topic is. I was going to look before I came. Okay, but maybe we'll spend a few minutes uh, f uh, finishing up this topic. We'll go through the consumer side, which in many cases I would say is some of the best stuff that you can focus on for your business organically and with the map listings because this is where you're actually going to make sales on this other side. So we'll focus on that uh, for a little bit of time. So what is the topic? Email and text message oh, yeah. So we'll be able to work that in. Uh, to that side as well. So again, next month we're going to talk about email campaigns, so some marketing automation, things that you thought that you shouldn't do because you never read a newsletter that's sent to you. I'll show you some ways that you can do that so people will actually read your newsletter and your article. And text messaging and a new thing that's massive, and that's marketing people to people through Facebook Messenger. Brand new technology, hardly anybody's doing it yet, but it's going to be huge. So we'll talk about that next month as well. It's going to be huge. <laughs> okay, thank you guys so much for coming. I appreciate it. And uh, have a great day.